You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Um, yeah, guys, I'm just so grateful for our church. Um, I am. I really want to share what's in my heart to share this morning. Uh, I'm like so blessed that we're full of a community of people who given the opportunity to pray and bless and speak prophetically, you just can't stop them. You know, I'm like, amen, and then it's like, oh no, another word over here. And, and that's great, it's awesome. Um, and, it, and it really does connect to what's in my heart today. Um, I am going to do my best to not try and preach three sermons like I tried last week, uh, because it was just too much. Uh, and so, anyway, we're going we're gonna to try not to do that today. Um, but we're still working with some big ideas. Um, most of you, how many hands who have been either last two weeks or just last week? Can I see? Show hands. All right, all right. So some of you caught the three sermons last week and, uh, and the one before, the week before. Um, and I just want to give a little shout out to Drew. Drew in the house, okay? I can give a shout out to Drew because... Drew gives me like amens and feedbacks and he shouts that we love you to Telsey when she's saying thank you and all that. So just a little encouragement in the house today. Be like Drew. Uh, we, we, we like it, okay? So, um, yeah, what would Drew do? Uh, and so anyway, we've been talking the last few weeks just to like bring you up to speed, okay, on identity. And like we're just right hanging out Genesis 1 to 3. And we're not leaving that area today either. We're hanging out still in that space of scripture. And, um, you know, we really looked week one, what is identity about? It's these questions, who, what, and why am I? And culture tells us in response to that question, we don't know. Go decide for yourself. And, uh, and, and as though that's like really awesome and freeing, in actuality it's empty and not very helpful. Um, and, and how last week we looked at how the enemy of our soul wants to lead us away from relationship with God, which is the place where we really discover who we are and why we're here. It's in relationship with God that we understand the simple ideas of good and evil. And there's a massive strategy that's working against the flourishing of you, your life, and the world around you that is to pull you away from him and his word. That was last week. And so this week I want to talk about know your roots. Your roots being God himself. The very origin of the world and the universe in which we live is this guy we call God. And you want to know your roots and who you are and where you're from and what you're part of, you got to know God. There's no separating those things. And so where we're going to hang out today is right in the very beginning. Genesis 1, verse 1, to the first half of verse 4. Here it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Pause. 
I just want to start by saying there is no other origin story out there like this. The, the, the strictly secular narrative will tell you the universe is a meaningless accident. Uh, Babylonian origin story, and many like it in Eastern world, the world is a byproduct of some violent cosmic warfare where gods die, and I won't even get into the graphic details, but it's brutal. This origin story is about a good artist creating a good world. And there's only two things in the passage we just read that I really want to focus on today. God created. And two, God said, and there was. God created what? The heavens and the earth. How? God said, and there was. God said, and there was. We could read it, and at least six times, if we read the whole chapter, we would hear, God said, dot, 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 and there was, dot, dot, dot. God said, and there was. I don't know about you, but I like the sound of that. It just makes me feel like, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel secure in the world. It gives me goosebumps. <laughs> like It's like God said, and there was. Now, now, thinking about that, right? God created, God said, and there was. Consider with me that he says we're made in his image. This is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Made in the image and likeness of God. And we're talking about know your roots. Your roots is this guy we call God who created the heavens and the earth, who said, let there be light, and there was light, and so on and so on. That's whose image you're made in. And the better we know this God, the better we know who we are and our purpose. And what I want us to just look at right now is just this simple idea, the creative power and potential that we see manifest in this God and therefore have to ask the question, what does it look like and how does it function in and through us? Like, what did God create? Ask that question. What did God create? Hey, somebody got it. Everything. You know, the, the, the biblical terms that we just read, heavens and the earth. So we've got earth, right? Earth's pretty big, right? I think it's pretty big. But heavens, heavens really speaks of the entire universe. And about 3,500 years ago, when these words were written down, I don't think they really understood what we can know now through the technology we have, just how big that thing is. You think of the size of the universe, okay? What is the universe made up of? Matter. And, and these things we call galaxies, right? And what are galaxies made up of? 
planets and stars and these things we call solar systems, okay? So be with me here. We're thinking universe big, a little smaller, I guess, uh, uh, galaxies, and, and then galaxies made up of solar systems. Okay, so at this point of the message, I need a volunteer, okay? So who wants to come up? First one on the stage, you're helping me out. How about that? Yes, Seth. Okay, Seth. Can you open this jar? You can. Good. Take out of that jar one grain of sand, please. One? Just one grain of sand. Do your best. Okay. If you accidentally get two, I'll forgive you. Okay. Seth has on his finger a grain of sand, I promise. Okay. And now, Seth, you can put the jar down, and you can somehow hold the end of that tape measure with the hand that has the grain of sand. So don't lose the sand. Okay, you got that? Okay, this is just a little perspective before we carry on. This is actually scientific. I got this from a science website, okay? <laughs> this is just to give, yes, it's called sciencing.com, okay? Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. And, uh, and, and here, here's the illustration to give us some perspective. Hang with me. This is representing the size of our sun. That grain of sand, in comparison to the sun, is planet Earth. Now, can you walk that direction until I tell you to stop, please? Keep going slowly. You know, oh, sorry, you've got to get that right off the stage. You're going to have to keep going. I might even have to back up by the time you get to the wall. Oh, you slow it down, slow it down, slow it down. Okay, keep going to the wall. Okay, okay, okay. Are you all the way to the wall? Oh, that was almost perfect, like we planned it. Okay, <laughs> that is the distance of the earth from the sun. Okay, so that is, that is our sun right here. Thank you, Seth. Can we get a round of applause for Seth? And that grain of sand on Seth's finger is the earth. That is just a part of our solar system has many other planets. Now remember, the Earth is actually pretty big, but that grain of sand represents the Earth in comparison to the sun and the distance. And the solar system that we are in is one of many that make up the Milky Way. Can we get a picture of the Milky Way, Starla? Yes. The Milky Way consists of approximately, according to scientists, 200 billion stars. And, and, and solar systems orbit around the gravitational pull at the center of the Milky Way, just like solar systems. And it is expected to take anywhere from 200 to 250 million years for our solar system to orbit once around the Milky Way. The Milky Way is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies that make up the known universe. And scientists believe that they can see and understand that the universe is still expanding. Now, it is hard for our minds to fathom this. I mean, I'm almost lost at the grain of sand and the, and the tennis ball. Is your mind bending? Is your heart soaring? Are you like, oh my gosh, like, I, I do, I know that. Does this leave you feeling small? In a good way, right? 
So did King David. He wrote in Psalm 8, When I consider the works of your hands, this universe that you created, I can't help but ask the question, why do you even think of us? And you know what he responds with? But you've made us just a little lower than angels. You crowned us with glory. And he begins to recall what Genesis 1 tells us about who we are. We're made in the image of God. That's why he thinks about us. And you think of this idea like the universe is still expanding. You know, scientists believe that the universe is still expanding because it all started with a big bang. Does the big bang sound anything to you like, let there be light, and there was light? So all I want you to catch as we think about the size of the universe and this creative force that is God, and he says he makes us in, our, in his image, right? Well, how did he make it? God said, and there was. God said, and there was. There is power beyond comprehension in the words we speak. God created the universe, but we can affect it. We can't literally create something from nothing. That is reserved for this guy we call God. But he says, I made you in my image. And I hope you remember this from the last few weeks or from reading your Bible for years and years and years. I've given you dominion. I put you in this garden to care for it and cultivate it. We are, we are invited into cultivating the goodness that he already put in the universe. And one of the ways we do is with the power of these things we call words. So we can't create the goodness that's here, we get to cultivate it. But we can also diminish it. I'll say to you, the condition of the world as we know it is the result of the words we speak or don't speak. And I would venture as far to say in how we say them. Consider with me the impact on a child of growing up in a home where their parents tell them they're stupid or brilliant. Where their parents tell them they're an inconvenience or a delight. Where they're told you're useless or capable. Where they're told they're worthless or valuable. Do you believe that impacts the life of a child and the rest of their human existence in some way? I believe so. I'm blessed to have grown up in a house where, where my dad, I remember constantly telling me, essentially, you can do anything if you will apply yourself to it. 
You know, he had me convinced I could be in the NHL, I could be a pro tennis player, I could be a pro snowboarder, like anything. And I don't think he was like, you know, deceiving me. I think he was speaking to the reality of the glory of God that is resident in all human beings. Or you know, the other night, I picked up my kids from this awesome youth group we've been talking about this morning, these awesome leaders. And one of my kids said to me on the way home, you know what I love about when Beth Ann speaks to us? She speaks right to us. She talks to, this is now me putting my own words to it. I did a little digging. What do you mean by that, right? And, And it was essentially like, she speaks to what's in us. When she preaches and she talks, she looks at them as though she really believes they could change the world. And she talks to that thing inside them and she calls it forth. But then there's like this prophetic thing. Like when you were like, I got something when we prayed for Daniel. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you know? And, uh, and it's just like there is this power in the words. Consider with me the impact on a society that is raised on cutting down trees, certain trees and certain forests is evil, but ending the lives of certain babies in certain wombs is good. I believe in save the trees, protect the trees, care for the planet. But we've got aggressive passionate protection of forests and the ending of human lives in certain wombs deemed good. And I know parenting is hard and being in that position with a strong sense of alone is super scary. And the fact that that happens in our society is also a result of some messed up paradigms. So I do not give that illustration as some like, oh, it's easy, you know. I understand. And I understand that there's a good chance statistically that there's people in here who have had an abortion at some point. So what I've just said has nothing to do with, with shame, with guilt, with, with, with any of that. I believe that it is the result of us being fed untruths, misinformation, otherwise known as lies. Imagine the impact on a society of, of the message of that there are certain people who are just wrong and not worth the time of day versus all people are created in the image of God and therefore ought to be honored and loved. These words, these messages, they have an impact. What we say and what we don't say really does matter. I think our media and political leaders have a good idea of that. 
And what you say or don't say really matters. What you choose to highlight in the telling of a story versus what you choose to omit. And before I go down that path any further, and we get all riled up in here, I remind you we're called to display the culture of a different kingdom. We're image bearers of God on the earth. So simply put, whenever your behavior doesn't look like God, you're either rejecting or suppressing your true nature. If your behavior doesn't look like God, you are rejecting or you're suppressing your true nature. Because the true you is made in his image. Just gonna, just gonna put it out here. We're going here, okay? I've seen some big old flags waving around lately. They're black with white and red on them. Anybody know them yet? Anybody familiar with them? They got a really like popular word. I'm not going to say from the microphone here on them, but it starts with an F. And then it has the last name of our prime minister underneath that. And it waves around with big pride and excitement as though that's going to accomplish anything. Can you see and hear God in heaven adding his, yeah, F, him too, from heaven? Every single political leader that you, your blood boils when you maybe think about them is a man or woman made in the image of God. Whatever you think about what they think, say, or do doesn't change that truth. So if you, especially Christians, can't see or hear God doing or saying the same as you, then why are you doing it? And I do not stand up here like, hey, I got this whole follow Jesus thing down pat. Just, you know, like, I, I, I get it. It's a wrestle. It's a struggle. But Jesus is Lord. And King Jesus' ways are the way that leads to life. You know, when I think about Jesus sitting up on his awesome throne in heaven looking down on what's going on in the world. You know what King David tells me he's doing? Laughing. He looks at all of the schemes in the world and what's going on that may not be good, and they're actually schemes against him and his ways. And it says he sits in the heavens and he laughs. 
Can we just do a, a belly laugh together? Come on. <laughs> we, we do this sometimes in our house. We're like, let's just laugh. Just get the laugh going. They're like, this is so weird. And it's like, no, just do it. Just do it. We're going to laugh. We probably should have been doing that for the last while. We've, I think we've forgotten this. Maybe we need to engage with it more. But it's like, we laugh. You want to align to what God is doing in heaven? Laugh. If it feels fake, do it anyway. Tell it, tell it settles in. You were all probably laughing at me as I did my fake laugh. It worked. Because here's the deal, guys. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't fight against people. We fight for people and for their good. All People, even if somebody else likes putting their picture up on social media and making derogatory memes about them, we fight for that person's good. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen to this, okay? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5. Can we get it up there? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. Notice he doesn't say people. We demolish people. No. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We were, we, were, we were praying this week as a leadership team about just the season we're in. We were like, you know, this is not a season to be just like sitting on the couch and just chilling and waiting for everything to kind of change. We need to be in prayer. We desperately need you, Holy Spirit, to help us. And one of the things we began to explore is like, what is our enemy doing right now? And how do we work towards uh, manifesting a different culture, the opposite spirit? You know, the primary thing that a wise man named Jason Gerson said was division. At the core of so much of the stuff that we see going on, it's division. And you can even see that manifesting through a lot of the mainstream channels, etc., etc. It's a spirit. And we get to engage in the opposite spirit. And sometimes, you know, I feel like we get pulled down into fighting these battles in the weeds of the details. Forgetting that the details manifesting are the result of a bigger issue. The knowledge of God has been lost. The truth of the story in which we are actually living has been lost. We've lost the plot. You want to change the world? Does anybody here want to change the world? Speak the gospel. Declare the gospel. Display the gospel. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is still the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. For individual people, and I believe for society itself, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Change the world, speak the gospel with your words and with your life. Because this messed up world that we see around us is the result of messed up worldviews within us. Say it again, the messed up world we see around us is the result of messed up worldviews within us. And we have the most powerful thing in the universe. Rewriting worldview paradigms. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you want to get your social media shut down for something? Get it shut down for the gospel. You want to get arrested for something? Get arrested for the gospel. You want to give your life for something? Give it for the gospel. And I do believe that there is a time and a season where those realities will be, will be felt. It's not to be all dismal and dark. We sang it today. He wins. I don't, I don't remember all the lyrics of the songs, but Jesus won. Death itself cannot hold you. That's the gospel. That's the hope. Is there work to be done? Are there battles to be fought? Absolutely. 100%. There's no better place to be found, though, than standing with Jesus in the truth and for the truth. And it looks like, you know, not just shouting the gospel. I know I'm shouting lots this morning. It's just a shouting season. We also demonstrate the gospel with our lives, with how we do community. That's why I'm pounding on the microchurch drum. I believe it's this, this manifestation of Jesus-centered communities touching our city. That's what it's about, in case you missed one of the meetings. But really, 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 how do we do this, okay? I'm going on and on and on about our words and this, that, and how do we do it? Come to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Pretty much always the answer to a so how question at least if we're preaching something that's from the Bible. God didn't just give us principles to follow. He gave us a person to follow. Second Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. In the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God that we were made to display is best seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And when humanity was manifesting darkness, God shone in human history in the person of Jesus Christ. He said, if you will, let there be light and there was Jesus. 
I know I said, what would Drew do? But it's really, what would, what would Jesus do, just for the record? But Drew, you're doing a great job. So as you come to Jesus and you learn from Jesus, I can pretty much promise you he's going to, in some shape or form, I know he does it with me, I know he was doing with it with me last night and this morning, call me to repent from speech that spreads darkness, hate, violence, and division. And he will say, come to me and learn how to speak words of light and love, and life, and unity. See, because Jesus, here's the thing, okay? Let's just look at Jesus here for just another minute. Jesus spoke boldly. But he also sat quietly. Jesus spoke truthfully. But he also spoke graciously. He spoke wisely. He spoke a ton of scripture. A ton. Jesus spoke healing, deliverance, and life. Like he understood who he was in the cosmos. And his relationship to the Father and the authority that he stood in as a result. And he would speak, ears be open. And they would hear. Lazarus, come forth, and you'd get out of the grave. To the ocean, be still, and the storm would calm. He knew he was. He knew where he stood. So as we're in the, 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 the turmoil and the wrestle of this world, like Jesus would teach, bless those who curse you. Pray for them. Pray for our nation. Pray for our society. Pray for our communities. Pray for our kids. Pray for our schools. Will he give strategies for work to be done and letters to be written and things to be said? Absolutely. But let it birth out of prayer. I remember Bill Johnson telling us this. He would say, like, when he was really, really frustrated with somebody or having difficulty, you know what he'd do? He'd take the bread and the wine. And he'd start to ask God to show him things to thank him for about that person. We're called to manifest a different kingdom. There's a fight to be fought. There's words to be spoken, all that I just said. But it has to come from heaven. It has to come through the Spirit of God and look like Jesus. Next week, we're going to talk about living as intersections between heaven and earth. So we see in Jesus that's who we're called to be as image bearers. But I want us to, to just end by, by sitting in these words that we read at the beginning, just a few of them. And I, wanna, I want us to echo those words together. I want us to, to feel them together. And they're these simple words. 
Let there be light. So I want to invite you, don't have to, it's never under compulsion here, but I invite you to stand. And we're going to say those words. Maybe once, maybe twice, I don't know. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to, as we do, again, I welcome you. You don't have to. Close your eyes. We're going to speak those words, but as we speak them, I want you to just ask the Lord, what might that look like in you and around you? Here we go. Let there be light. Do it again. Let there be light. Let's do another one. Let there be light. Again. Let there be light. One more. Let there be light. Father, we say yes to more light, ever-expanding light, and wisdom and understanding in what that looks like in the sphere of influence that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.